Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello. This time we read The Ninth Colony by Colin Curtis. Colony Curtis, vanity published through Author House UK in February of 2023. We received an email from a podcast PR rep, Mr. Curtis, or maybe Author House had hired, asking us to have him on the show as a guest. We get a lot of these emails because some PR companies just send blanket form emails without actually having any idea what the podcasts or other entities they're contacting actually do. Normally, we just skim and delete, but this one caught our eye when we read this part. Here are three reasons why your listeners would love to hear from Colin Curtis. Point one, the evolution debate. Despite widespread acceptance of Darwin's theory of evolution, there is still much debate and disagreement in the scientific community about the origins of human life. Point two, the power of questions. The story highlights the dangers of blindly accepting scientific theories and ideologies without questioning them and encourages readers to think critically and seek the truth for themselves. Point three, sci-fi and the future science fiction has the power to shape our perception of the world and the future. And Curtis's work is a prime example of how the genre can be used to ask big questions and challenge established beliefs. I highly recommend Colin as a guest for your show, as he can offer a unique perspective on human evolution and space exploration. With his insights and expertise, he would make a fantastic guest on your podcast. As you can tell by our episode title, Mr. Curtis is not appearing on today's podcast. No, because we do not have authors on the podcast, and if you were any kind of decent rep you would have known that before you sent an email but like i said you know due to you know capitalism and patriarchy and all the shit we complain about all the time people are trapped in these terrible fucking jobs where they have to send form emails <laughs> to podcasts about authors they don't give a shit about who they are forced to represent to be able to think- afford food because we live in hell <laughs> <laughs> you would think even if they were just glancing over any podcast that had book in the title they would see the one that said terrible book club. Yeah, and even if you didn't realize yeah. what we're doing here, you'd be like, oh, so it's a bad podcast. You would either think they read terrible books or they are terrible readers. I mean, we do, we, we, you know, play yes, in both false. pools it's on false. this show. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, it blows my mind. And we get these all the time. Couple, couple times a month, we get these emails and we're just like, whatever. But as you may have realized, this one starts with like, you know the evolution debate and just asking <laughs> questions so we were like all right we so gotta we like, gotta okay we gotta check this out let's throw um, this guy a bone do a little promo 
<laughs> no, uh, it just seemed pretty terrible and it was under 200 pages, so fit the bill for this year. Um, if this is your first time listening to this show, however, welcome, welcome. You got past the beginning there. Uh, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is, as the name of the podcast suggests, read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Uh, sometimes we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. Sometimes we read the books that, you know, unscrupulous publicists <laughs> send us because they are unaware Those of what's scruples happening. Were found. Um, and so Fresh general, out of scroops. <laughs> fresh out. So in general, we do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet. And usually this experiment results in a disappointing and hilarious read, but once in a while we end up liking the book. So it's just a good time. Um, sometimes it's a real bad time for us, but it's always a good time for you all, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or mention of just some cartoon-level violence, uh, conspiracy theories, and um, <clears throat> just asking questions and everything that entails. Just asking so, questions. You should be asking questions. big questions about science after this book. Yeah. I'm certainly asking big questions about science after reading this book. <laughs> like, does anyone listen to it? Listen to what? Science or this book? Yes. Yeah, science. No one listens to I science. Don't think, I don't think people listen to it. I don't think they do. I don't think people even understand what science means half the time. <laughs> Listen, I can understand why they'd be confused because it makes an S sound at the start, but there's an S and a C. I think it should be science because that's what it looks like with my eyes. And my eyes are not liars. Skiance. Says the blind person. Skiance. Um, all right. Chris, would you like to read the back of the book summary or would you like me to read it? You can, I can read this one, mm-hmm. and you can do the characters and setting and the summary that I wrote up shortly before this episode Fantastic. started. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris, for all that extra work. All right, so Chris is going to read the back of the book summary for us. So this is what's supposed to pull you in, tantalize you into wanting to pick this book up. Chris? Simon Chambers is a 28-year-old decorator who does home conversions. On a bright day in June, he expects work to go as usual, but he couldn't be more wrong. He sees a mysterious craft circling over him, and this event sends Simon on a strange journey. For almost 200 years, Earth's population has been brainwashed into believing that Darwin's theory of evolution is fact. With his life in peril, Simon is about to find out that this couldn't be further from the truth. Simon sets off on a path that will change he and humanity's existence forever. After being kidnapped by an alien race and transported to another galaxy, he manages to escape. He forms a resistance group, and they work to uncover the truth of human origins. All right. Thank you, Chris. I'm just going to give you all very briefly the characters and setting, and then I'm going to read our plot summary. And we do this so that as we are critiquing the book and just talking about what we liked and didn't like, you will understand kind of the basic moves that happened, basic characters, what, who did what to whom, um, and so that it is less confusing as we um, are complaining later, most likely. All right. Our characters are Simon, Helene, Chris, L, Sabrina, George from Bulgaria, and uh, a bunch of aliens. We got a bunch of different alien groups. We've got Lunarians, Gosians, Katarians, Kelisi, Osarians, and 
humans from Earth, Earth Eartharians. We don't we don't really get a name for us, the Ninth Colony. You know, I made that up on the fly, and I don't think calling us Earth Aryans is really a smart move. After <laughs> <I put that laughs> <down>. <laughs> oh my god, no, um, humans from Earth. That's what we're going to call the Ninth Colony. Yeah, and everything takes place. Uh, on I forget did they even tell, different planets uh, in yeah, space. Yeah, it's, it's another place in, a long time ago in a galaxy far. far I you know no, it's know, it's actually some... present time, and I have sure, no idea. Uh, they don't actually give us a sense of if we're in the same galaxy or I don't think we're in the same solar system. I'm not really fucking sure. Who knows? We're somewhere space. And then Earth is only there at the very beginning and very end of the book. So don't worry about Earth. I mean, nobody does anyway. So <laughs> Yeah. Who cares? Fuck that place. All right. Here's our plot summary. Uh, written by Chris. Thank you, Chris. Sabrina has been abducted by aliens. So has Chris and George from Bulgaria and a bunch of other people. The aliens who took them look like people, but taller. They are Mycians. And they're doing the standard alien slaver routine. The three get an opportunity to escape thanks to Simon, whose interior decorator career prepared him to lead a resistance. He offers the escapees a place in his resistance operation, and most of them take it. Chris is Computer Man. George from Bulgaria eventually turns into Spy Guy. And Sabrina just kind of fucks off from the story, never to be seen again until the final chapter. Simon tells everyone how Earth is one of nine colonies of humanity. The other eight colonies have some different physical features to distinguish them, and follow your standard sci-fi alien race protocol of being generally one character across the entire species. Gosians are violent and have prominent brow ridges, Mycians are greedy slavers who are really big, Lunarians want peace, etc. This is supposed to be saying something about evolution, but only because the marketing copy in the back of the book told us that, not from the actual content of the story. Simon and the gang ambush a Gosian upper crust guy, kill him and his entourage, and trigger a war between Gosians and Lunarians, and Simon is Princess Helene of Lunaria's boyfriend. The war is the Gosian Mycian Katarian alliance of slaving fighty assholes versus the Lunarian Khaleesi er Earth people. No, slavery is bad, resistance. Simon and Helene do fighting space shooty stuff in most of the story, while George from Bulgaria and his newfound girlfriend Elle infiltrate a Gosian warship, the Fedora, in the Milady Galaxy. <laughs> no, it's the Mycene. We, we already know that. They, that's how they say it over in space. Uh, Gosians can mind control you, by the way. So George from Bulgaria has to have sex with hot Gosian lady Angel Charmer. That's her first really and last name. name. Angel really name. While also attending high-ranking Gosian meetings in disguise. Elle gets upset about this and punches Angel Charmers, the Gosian, and is safely deposited back with the Lunarians for this offense. George from Bulgaria finds out the Gosians are allying with the Katarians to invade Earth for its resources and specifically it's women for a breeding program since there's an infertility virus ravaging all the other colonies except for Earth so you can impregnate the Earth women with alien babies and you know of course the women are vivisected to harvest the child he sends messages back to Simon resulting in him being captured since the opsec on this one seemed non-existent <laughs> back at Lunaria Simon and Helene 
go pew pew with lasers at Gosians and spaceships and in spaceship hallways. Simon is captured and immediately rescued. There are spaceship fights that read like a matter-of-fact summary of an 18th century pitch battle. <laughs> then the uh, Alliance of Alliance Slaving, of slaving fighty, fighty Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> then the Alliance of Slaving Fighty Assholes leaves all of a sudden to invade Earth. Simon and the No Slavery is Bad Resistance give chase and get to Earth with enough time to warn everybody. In six months, all the nations of the world get together and build a massive defense grid. LOL. Yeah, no. Uh, they find out Stonehenge is a teleporter, so they start evacuating humanity to the planet that's just on the other side of Stonehenge, I guess. The uh, Alliance of Slaving Fighty Assholes <laughs> invade Earth, and that's like seven pages long. They're fought off when another species decides to join the uh, No, Slavery is Bad Resistance, because this author can only write one spaceship battle ending, which is that someone shows up to turn the tide at the last minute. Simon can now marry Princess Helene and fight for justice and peace, all thanks to Simon's interior decorating skills. Thank you, Paris. Oh, all right. Well, I actually think um, we should all take a moment after that to digest... Okay. Uh-huh. What what was happened? Um, before we get into what was good, what was good about the book, what was bad about the book, I kind of just wanted to touch on some of these like looming elephantine shapes in the room <laughs> before before we get <laughs> Those into are just the book. another race of humanity. They just they're the elephantians. <laughs> yes, the elephantians. It, um, elephantian in the roomians. <laughs> yes. So of course, when we started this, we were talking about how. This book was Vanity published. We got a really weird email from some kind of hired marketing person who didn't really know what was up. And then the copy was like about questioning evolution and questioning science and how the author was, you know, an expert in these things. And so we just want to talk about these issues before we get into anything (laughs) else, (laughs) because it's kind of a lot there. All right. All right. So part one. It is one thing to say, like, you know, if you're writing some marketing copy and you want to get an author on a podcast, talk about their book, like, obviously, you're going to want to say, like, hey, here are some themes and, like, maybe some potential questions. That's totally normal. However, (laughs) it is is another thing entirely to say that this science fiction author has expertise on both human evolution and space exploration and wants you to use the fiction to question facts about science without giving me at least a sentence or two about where and how he has this related expertise. Is is Colin Curtis an exobiologist, astrophysicist? You know, if, if we're just asking questions here, then I have a few about this dude's <laughs> scientific credentials. And I Paris, was... he wrote a book about with aliens in it. That's expertise. No. Have you written a book about aliens? No. Do you have expertise? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. So, like, it's author Colin Curtis. name is pretty common. I couldn't really, like, I wasn't going to waste a whole day of my life on this. But I did find uh, both his website and an interview that he did with some random pay-to-play website or something. And both of them said that... Colin Curtis has worked in construction in Europe for a really long time. So, 
unless there's some deep scientific background from like before he worked in housing construction that he's hiding I don't see where the expertise is in like human biology or exobiology or space or any related field all I see is that he had some kind of unexplainable encounter which led him to kind of become interested in alien theories that does not mean that this man has expertise in space exploration or human evolution. Holy shit. How could... What an irresponsible email to write. I just... Like, look, it, if it had just been framed differently, honestly, if the, if the publicist was just like, yo, this guy had an alien encounter and now he's, like, really into aliens, I would have been like, that's fine. You're being honest. But, yeah. but like, telling me that he is an expert on human evolution and space exploration how how is he an expert he's on those watched things? star wars before that's why <laughs> i just think it's he's watched star wars and star trek i'm basically <laughs> an astronaut i just like just look i know everybody wants to be successful i know it's hard out there but just fucking be honest don't don't make shit up. Don't let people you hire make things up about you to try to sound cool. Like, I mean, of course, like we have no idea if, you know, if Mr. Curtis saw this before it went out, we probably didn't, honestly. But like, it sucks that this is what's happening. Don't lie about things. Don't don't try to get <laughs> real basic shit. Yeah, here don't try to club, which I need to do. Don't try to get like ooh crafty and artsy. Like his expertise, and he doesn't have expertise in these things. Look, man. If he feels like he had an unexplainable encounter, I'm, you know, that's fine. That's a separate matter. I don't think having some kind of unexplainable encounter with something you feel is alien life makes you an expert on space travel or exobiology or human evolution. Like, get out of here. It just, I don't know. It just frustrates me so much. Um, yeah, when marketing copy is just, just fucking wildly wrong. All right. Aliens. Aliens. Oh, cool. I like aliens. Get out your fucking bag of Cheetos. Um, all right. Hey, everyone. Chris from the future here with a fun message that I can't believe I have to record. Most of this year's episodes were pre-recorded many months in advance. So when we recorded this review of Ninth Colony in the spring of 2023, the UAP slash UFO hearings in Congress that happened in July obviously hadn't happened yet because July happens later in the summer. If you haven't yet watched or read the transcripts of the U.S. congressional hearings and information that's come out since then, it's actually worth your time and sort of the first example of a somewhat credible source coming forward with some information that might link to some extraterrestrial stuff. We're still skeptics about it, to be clear, but the truth seems to be more out there now. All that being said, this book is still not a good example of the potential veracity of non-terrestrial tech in life, since it's not actually based on any reliable info, and it's a poorly put together story. Future Chris out. Look, <laughs> you know, you know us on this podcast. We're not, we're not really that like crunchy. We're not into conspiracies. However, I think that if you read anything about the science of space and the science of you know, just biology, the involved, right? right? Just the the big numbers, right? Involved. The depth and breadth of the rest of existence beyond Earth. I mean, hell, even Earth itself is so wildly unfathomable that you have to think that, like, 
like Chris said, numbers wise, it's likely that some kind of non-carbon based life exists out there, right? Intelligent, perhaps intelligent life. I, however, however, big fucking however sign, neon, (laughs) blinking, it's got sparklers. I don't think that this sort of life exists in the way that humanity has fantasized about it for decades. (laughs) Like, like, look, man, I grew up on the X-Files. I wanted to be Dana Scully when I grew up. <laughs> like, I mean, to be- I love sci-fi stuff. To be fair- I, All I read for novels is usually sci-fi and fantasy stuff. I love it. I mean, honestly, like at this point in my life, I just want to be Jillian Anderson. She seems great. <laughs> but, Even I would like to be Jillian Anderson. Yeah, pretty good. So like after learning, again, more about the complexities of this stuff, I just it seems more likely than not, right? that there's some kind of non-carbon-based life form out there. Um, But, like, do I think they're, like, humanoid daddies who populated Earth and gave us ideas? Like, no, I don't. Um, And there's, I mean, in the last, what was it? Chris, when 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 did those papers get declassified from the U.S. government? Do you remember? Was it 2021? Yeah, a handful of years ago. (sighs) Yeah, it might have been just two years ago or three years ago or something. Anyway, the U.S. government released a bunch of formally classified documentation on uh, aircraft that neither they nor any other government has claimed and the way that all these aircraft seem to kind of defy known physics is pretty fucking notable but like instead of immediately jumping to it has to be aliens like on the tv shows i like (laughs) you know we we just need to focus on the evidence we do have and all we know is that no one will admit to creating the or piloting these things, and they might not even have pilots. We don't really know. They could be terrestrial in origin, right? Like all of these stories that you know, pilots have, pilots and other members of the military have, you know, documented that are now publicly available. Like they're pretty. A lot of them are pretty convincing. But again, we don't really have anything more than like hey, fucking weird sky vehicles of unknown origin and peculiar behavior. Like, but there's nothing else to go on. There's no... I, I there's a whole list of things to really check before you jump to, well, it's probably an alien. Yeah. And the other thing, like I said, is even if these, you know, craft or whatever, even if we want to say, like, okay, it comes from, you know, it's extraterrestrial. It's not from Earth. The potential that... Again, they're like humanoid sky daddies with like people features. It's just so. And also, small. we can have sex with them. And That's also, the important right. part. Right. And also, being able to reproduce, like to actually have sex and reproduce with them is. I, I mean, again, not an exobiologist, but. Uh, not a sexobiologist, <laughs> eh? <laughs> um, but. Just mathematically speaking, and, you know, just, again, I'm not doing a great job about this, but, like, listen to, I don't know, Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about it, or, like, anyone who is qualified to speak on these topics, and they will do a much more eloquent and thorough job of explaining. I guess all I want to say is, is that I don't think that it is um, unreasonable to ponder about extraterrestrial life you know non-carbon based life forms from other planets or other galaxies I mean spaces unfathomably large like I said um 
and we understand so little about what's outside of our solar system, let alone <laughs> what's in our solar system, right? Um, and, you know, then there's the galaxy, then there's beyond our galaxy, all the other galaxies, right? Like, all of this stuff, I mean, it's it, it's actually really hard <laughs> to, like, digest. Um, I think that if you want some kind of fun, short-form videos to watch, um, the YouTube channel Kurzgesagt. Uh, I, I don't know. It's German. I can't say it right. I'm not going to try. It's, I'm not going to try. It's that, good. That one. Um, they've got a bunch of like little cartoons. About <laughs> they should things. just. That's what they should call the YouTube channel. It's good. It's watch this video. It's good. Don't try to say it. The YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> but I think they've they've got a few about like alien life in space and stuff that I think are really good for a general audience. In any case, I just want to get the point across that like, um, even though we're going to talk about a lot of things we didn't like about this book, I don't want anyone to get the idea that like oh we're just shitting on it because it's like about aliens like no it's not real they're shitting on it because <laughs> they can't accept it's fiction like no we understand that it's just that when your alien thing is like but it was just people and that means evolution wasn't really a thing but then how do you get the different types of human shut up yeah yeah, I just I guess I just think that doing like, oh, it's a people but a little green. They got a little spikes on their heads. Like I just that sucks. It's unimaginative and it, it it's terrible. Um lastly, I know a lot of folks who listen to the show are authors or aspiring authors. This is for y'all. Please for the love for the love of the written word, do not let vanity publishing companies prey on you. You know, this author went with Author House UK, and from what I can see, places like that, they are like the pay-to-play of books. So if you're a musician like us, you know what that means. That means that instead of you as the artist being paid for your performance, you are suckered into paying to perform for people <laughs> and absorbing the cost of a performance. Vanity publishing, at least in this case, is like that, where um, these places will have you pay them to publish your book, and then it sort of looks like you are published by a real publishing house, but anyone who Googles for, you know, 15 seconds will see that it's just a vanity publisher, and they don't really have a bar for entry, um, which, you know, I know sometimes people are like, oh, but, you know, when there's no standards, it's great, because it allows anyone to publish without... You know, having like without feeling like they have to achieve some kind of Herculean task or goals before getting published. But the problem then is that you end up with just a bunch of books that like don't I don't know, man, like people don't really need stuff like this. Right. Like books that have been you know, the same ideas and, and stuff that have been written over and over and over again that don't really offer anything. They don't offer a different take or style or format or perspective um and then you also have the other problem is that people get published like this and then i don't know what did what did they learn from this experience <laughs> like i just feel like people get fucking taken advantage of and it sucks and like sometimes sometimes you just gotta have someone tell you that you gotta do something a little different or work a little harder or change Refine something it. Yeah, I guess I mean I know I'm not articulating this very well, and it's not like I want to say that, you know, you got to be some incredible author to get published. I just think that 
you got to get some feedback. You got to get a little perspective. Like if you walk up to a person or a company and they just immediately are like, yeah, let's just publish that without thought. Like next week, let's do it. That's a usually a bad sign. Usually big red flag. <laughs> yeah. Big old, big old unfurled banner there. Um, also, in general, you can just self-publish digitally. Yep. Like you don't really have to have a physical copy. It's fine nowadays. And if that's the way you want to go to like try to reach an audience, okay, go for it. Don't pay someone to stitch your words together into physical form just to say you were published like that. Yeah, I mean, especially because there's tons of print-on-demand services that are, you know, that will take less money from you than something like this. And mostly, I just feel bags. I feel like this author, you know, amongst many others, just got taken advantage of. And I don't know. I mean. I guess I don't, you know, obviously I've never interacted with this uh, this publisher before, but uh, the internet has a lot to say about it <laughs> and none of it's good. Um, and, All right. and, you know, and we've seen, we've seen Vanity publish something like this before and I basically just want to tell people like, please just, just don't, don't do it. Don't waste your money. All right. Now the actual book. Now the actual book. All right, Chris, what did this book do well? Well, you know, it was certainly coherent. Yeah. Which is a point in its favor, as we've seen on this show before. We got to give you credit when it's coherent. When I can Hooray, read. Hooray, the coherent alarm is going <laughs> off. When You've I done it. There was a series of events that I could parse and understand as happening one after the other. Yeah, when I can read a sentence and understand where people are and generally what is happening, hooray, you have, you have cleared the bar that is one centimeter off the ground and somehow a lot of people don't clear that. So. Honestly, this book is fantastic at making things very clear as to like who is where and what is happening. I got to really give it that. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make for a very entertaining read, but it sure does tell you what's going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the sentences were not hard to parse. I never had to stop and be like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, no weird <laughs> no weird word choices, very few typos. And honestly, like, for a book that, as far as I can tell, didn't have an editor, like, either Mr. Curtis did a fucking bang-up job editing this on his own, or he uh, hired someone and maybe just didn't credit them, but, like, so many, so many self-published or vanity-published things don't, it, it's very clear they don't they didn't have another pair of eyes to edit them. So I do think it is something we should commend, you know, Colin for. And I'm glad that, you know, at least he had somebody look at it and make sure make sure the words went think, together. Like so many people don't do that. I don't do think that. there was much that was unnecessary here. Maybe yeah. a handful of things that you could have cut, but like the stuff that was happening, like I was like, okay, yeah, this is included in a big broader plot. Um, we'll get to you know the the finer details on that shortly. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah. So I did appreciate that stuff again. I, I know this might sound kind of silly, but like, there's just so many things we've read on this show that that don't even have that that level of their shit together. So we appreciate it when we can at least at least go line by line and be like, all right, these are these are words that go together. They are in an order <laughs> that we get. <laughs> Wonderful. I answer what this character is doing and what kind of why at least. Yeah. Um Uh yeah, and I guess 
I don't know. I have this point for like something that was good, but it do- it actually doesn't happen at all in the book. So I don't really know. I don't <laughs> we can. I mean, yeah. I let's mean, use this as a segue into things that were bad. Yeah. In that, like, okay, so the copy on the the PR email was all about like you'll question evolution. It'll ask big questions about science. The evolution thing barely comes up here. Even the back of the book was like, Simon's going to find out why the theory of evolution was wrong. And I think all that happens is that at one point, there's a little bit of exposition that's like, yeah, there's eight other colonies of humanity. And another character's like, oh, so you mean the Big Bang theory of evolution wasn't real? And that's the one point in the book where I was like, that's two different. What do you mean the Big Bang of evolution? There's the Big Bang and then there's evolution separately. Unless you're talking about the thing where I guess, you know, there was a lot of banging all the time to get from amoebas to humans or whatever. Well, However you want to put I mean, that. They, they do sort of go together, right? I mean, because, like, the, I, the whole Big Bang thing is, like, because all the shit collided, then it allowed smaller pieces of shit to, like, go to other <laughs> places and then the shit mixed with the other shit the, the, and then eventually the piece of shit theory <laughs> then, of the universe and then expansion. you know carbon stuff happened look man i'm not i don't fucking know but it's something whatever. yeah we're no sexobiologists over here we can't really get <laughs> yeah. into the details no, about but, this i mean you you can I, you know how this works but yeah, like yeah i, I understand i what guess you're point being point being here that it doesn't really get into that at all despite that being all over the marketing for this and even if you were going to get into that if your theory is that like okay there's nine separate colonies of humanity and over time they change to be different how did they change to be different well chris the thing is though i don't so i was thinking about this too but it doesn't say that it just says they were all made separately so i think this is like intelligent design each you know the gosians the humans the whateverians are all made in one way and they just stay that way the whole time it calls them all humanity though yeah. to be clear which i i get you know i just actually recently read a fantasy series where it was basically doing the same shit it had 13 different races of quote unquote humanity and they all had like different physical features some were like dog people and shit so like i i can let the you know i'm not going to quibble about having other species being called humanity it just really seems to me like if you have these differences here, you should have outlined clearly at least that it was because they were all intelligently designed that way at the start to be called human. Like, because that's not super clear in this book, and it's not brought up a lot. This is yeah. mostly just space laser fighty shooty thing. Yeah, that's so. Like, where's the science uh, question? Right, that's the most confusing thing to me because it's not even like any of the characters are like, "Oh my god, I guess you know this is really making me question." You know, I'm really having an existential crisis. Wow, God must be real. Like, no one is having that thought process. That's not happening at all. Like you said, they're just like, we're in a war. This is the resistance. We must protect the moon princess and then, you know, show our moon and star titty tats to get through the transporter. <laughs> That's a real thing that happens. Um, You know, I just, yeah, I, I'm puzzled by that. I mean, I guess in some ways I'm like... <laughs> delighted that there wasn't a lot of yeah, that because honestly i was waiting for it to happen it was just it kept being like these very matter of fact space battle descriptions and i was like oh okay so i guess we're just doing this yeah so i'm really i don't understand i mean maybe the thought was like "Ooh, this will shock people into 
wanting to interview you. I don't know. But there's no... So there's no challenging theory in here. And nothing about this book makes you think, ah, yes, this is reality in present time. This reads as a fantasy fiction book. So I'm... What questions are we... We're not asking any questions here. There's no questions. <laughs> I guess if you've I mean, never really seen a sci-fi story before, and you're like, oh, yeah, alien, like other things out in space, wow. That's the only question I can imagine being brought up? Yeah, I, I mean, all this does is posit the idea that perhaps... Through intelligent design, a deity created nine different versions of humanity and put them in different places in space on different planets. It's just an idea. It it happens once. <laughs> yeah, right? like that one time one that time? I mentioned. Yeah, and I so yeah, I'm I'm also just puzzled. So I guess all I want to say is like, look, obviously, um, you know, this book aside challenging scientific theories is how science evolves right like you we want that however you gotta do it in a thoughtful scientific way and we can't can't be the fucking history channel man like like if you are coming out here and just being channels out there being the history channel though so if you if you're coming out there and being like in a world full of dirt hills what if we all came from octopus meerkats like just asking questions what if like that's not how you fucking challenge a scientific theory and i you know to challenge a scientific theory you have to have your own theory and there have to be like you know proofs and experiments and a hypothesis and like all this shit that goes along with the scientific method there's got to be something you can't just walk up and say oh but what if this and like that's all the fucking history channel or what's the other one that does does the pseudoscience maybe is that discovery i don't know there's the history channel and there's maybe discovery i don't quite know there's some other channel that also markets in this like pseudoscience bullshit. All they do, the whole episode, they're like, what if we came from aliens? What if this depiction on, uh, you know, on a wall in a Mayan pyramid was aliens? Like, so they never, they get away with it because they never directly state, like, this is what we're telling you. They just constantly ask, like, <laughs> what if this? What if that? Please don't do that. That is not what if how we never advance. studied history at all. <laughs> you thought that maybe that this is too difficult for people back in old days to do. Therefore, aliens. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So. All right. So clearly we're in the things that were bad. Yeah. Right? yeah like we've been here. Yeah. We're, we're, we're sitting in it. All right. Things that were bad. So. I know we said we had some base level requirements that were met about the writing. However, quickly, quickly, things began to deteriorate. All right. So this the section of the things that were bad is called the writing in general. We got another case of like very telly and not showy, which we talk about almost every time on this show. When you do this, when you write things like you are describing the step by step moments of a battle, like just like from like third person omniscient perspective, it's really hard to identify with the characters. Like if all you're getting is basic blocking of movement and some like canned stereotypical dialogue, why do I care? 
Why do I care? What is there to connect with? What is interesting about this? Well, you see, Simon loves the moon princess. Uh-huh. That's all I got for you. I mean, like, look, to be fair, the dialogue isn't abysmal, but it's not inventive or good in any sense. It's just sort of like what would what you would hear on a sci-fi show on the WB that lasted one season in 1997? Is that is that kind of how you felt? Because that's how I felt. This reads like a Wikipedia summary of that TV show, like from season <laughs> yes, one to four. Yes. If you just wanted to just read about it. Um, like, if, okay, I'm sure many of us saw Firefly, right? That show. Imagine if the dialogue was like a few steps lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even, I mean, Firefly was a show um also there's like three less characters and the four that are there you only really deal with two of them for most of the story F- fewer three fewer yeah. <laughs> three fewer characters okay Stannis baratheon that's right yeah i don't know chris i've been talking a lot can you take over okay. for this yeah section? i'll just start I'm taking dying. over from here because like <laughs> i'm thirsty okay yeah so there's just stuff in here that happens that is very par for the course for just you know cliche sci-fi or just you know not very well done plot stuff so for example of course there's the the, the resistance is here to to fight against the alien slaver at fighty asshole people there's a training section that lasts a few hours i believe before simon's like all right we're gonna go ambush this upper crust Gosian guy, everybody ready? And it's like, I just learned what a pulse rifle is literally an hour ago. Like, I don't know if I'm willing to do this right now, boss. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess they're in a pretty desperate situation. But yeah, it is a little difficult to imagine that everyone would be super down with that. It doesn't really matter anyway, because they, like every time someone's in danger for a moment, two to three pages later, they're out of that jam. Sometimes, at the cost sometimes of, sentences. Like, unnamed characters. Yes, <laughs> sentences. sentences. Later. Just everything's fine. The, the jams don't last very long. This is the opposite of Coachella or whatever. Yeah. Not, Coachella's not the Coachella's not the jam band one. Burning Man. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what anything is. Um. Yeah, there's just always a convenience around every corner that makes everything okay and allows everyone to find their friends again and no one dies or gets really hurt and everything's fine. I just, my problem with this is that I, you know, if we're just asking questions, what about this (laughs) makes it interesting? What about this makes it compelling? What about this makes me want to continue? The answer is fucking nothing. I... I am ever so bored by... Simon's always fine really quickly, man. It's his interior decorating skills that really get him out of those jams, let me tell you. You know, I was thinking about that. I mean, I guess if he was... If he's more of a handyman or, like, construction guy, maybe he would be a little more prepared than the average bear, but if he's just an interior decorator, yeah, I don't know. Like... It seems very specific. Like, he's not really getting <laughs> yeah. too in there. He's just kind of, like, laying down the facades and the planning, and he's hiring other people to do it. I mean, I guess that's where he gets his, like, delegation skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the part where he's like, hey, why don't you just do a suicide run for me? I will <laughs> hang out over oh, here. No. You do it. Oh, God. Um. Yeah. I Like Chris said, this whole thing is just sort of a smash cut of a bunch of, like, sci-fi movie scenes with no real 
story, no character development. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you have, you know, you've got like Princess Helene, who's with the moon print, the Lunarian, the moon princess from Moonland, the Lunarian princess, and she has known her whole life that she might have to lead a war because tensions have, you know, there's always tension between these groups and her parents get assassinated. So she's the ruler, apparent, uh, the heir apparent. Um, and somehow the interior decorator boyfriend from earth, she met like two months ago is like, I'll take over and lead the battle and tactics. And it's like, but what about the lady who was trained her whole life for this? <laughs> why, why is why is she not the one in charge? Why, why about the interior decorator Earthling that hasn't even known about aliens until very recently decide how the resistance should go? Dude, can you imagine, like, your parents have been fucking assassinated. The galaxies, ga- multiple galaxies are at war, and you're like an integral part of this. You have to lead your nation to survival even if not victory you're fairly young you you know things are chaos you, you're like whatever i guess i'll date this earth guy and then you gotta mommy that earth boyfriend during a fucking <laughs> war like there's just a page where he's like but i want to do this and she's like honey what have we said about you know this kind of battle tech it's just oh it's painful it's painful she's like dude i'm the one i'm the princess here it's my army. Go fucking put up a, some wallpaper. God. <laughs> Decorate my chambers and be gone with you. <laughs> like, he's always punching her second in command, like, in the face. And then they both end up in the brig. And it's like, what the fuck? I don't know. Just the behaviors of people. It's just, again, it's like a smash cut. It's like, hey, have you ever seen a sci-fi show where, like, the sec- the first mate or, or second in command or whatever gets into a fight with, like, someone else's boyfriend and then they end up in jail and they like hug it out or whatever i don't know it's just like every scene you've ever you've ever experienced in a tv show or a book just kind of like shoved together and strung along with a little tiny piece of thread it's real i don't know i'm just boring bored by it i mean even some of the plot stuff like that virus the the fertility virus i that's confusing because it only affected female fertility at the start but then like it also affected males later well, also the whole yeah. like ki- like actually the bigger point here p- putting that aside where we were confused about like who the virus was affecting the plan at the start before the invasion ha- of earth happens is to kidnap earth women well, one at a time very sli- like not that many at no, a time like 10 like, or 30 or something yeah like like low numbers like definitely not thousands at a time and to impregnate them to continue the each alien species that seems like your birth rate versus death rate is gonna skew really hard unless you <laughs> right well, like yeah and so at the beginning or for most of the book it's like yeah there's this horrible virus where women you know like we can't reproduce anymore so we need to impregnate earth women and then like fucking vivisect them which why is that necessary who knows um and then all of a sudden towards the end they're like oh um we figured it out like what does it say there was some page number i noted where it was very clear that they were like we figured it out. Now the men are no longer infertile. And it was like, wait, you didn't, you, 
that's not what you said. You said <laughs> you said the women couldn't have the the females couldn't give birth. It's just I don't know. It's very confusing. Not very well thought out is our point. I mean, speaking of not being well thought out, <laughs> how about the space battles in general, where everyone's like in a line, everyone's in a formation yep. in a line, it's in a line, in a space. line in space where you can go up or down. Yep, really easily. Get a whole the whole thing about the way <laughs> battles are fought on Earth on the ground is that there's gravity and we have to be on the ground and it's hard to go up or underneath. But in space, up and down aren't really a thing. So it's you just can go over. So why is everyone lining up? Also, there's a lot of like trading sides and just like letting people through the, the enemy lines. Well, there's many times in the book where it's just like, and then we came from behind the Gozian enemy lines and we lined up with the Lunarian people. It's like, you're behind them. They lined up like a bunch of idiots. Yeah. Just fight from the back and surprise them if they don't see you. All right, this is everyone's first world war. We're all learning. <laughs> We're all learning about our first galaxy space war. Um, this is our first Star War. Uh, we have never Star Warred before. You would think the interior decorator would actually have, a, you know, he, he's worked in AutoCAD before, so yeah. he understands 3D space. That should be his major breakthrough. Is like, why are you guys all in lines? I don't, like, there's not just one plane in space yeah so it's just a lot of stuff about this is just not it's not very well thought out right it's very surface level like they're gonna battle in a line and like you said you know the second you think about it for more than 15 seconds you're like wait a minute they're in space why would the <laughs> fuck would they do that um i mean this all right folks for those of you that have been with us for a long time you may remember moon people by Dale Courtney and Moon People 2, also by Dale Courtney. Um, this is just a more coherent Moon People. It's definitely, yeah, totally definitely agree. a couple couple shelves above uh, in terms of coherence. Yes. And you this know, this is a better Moon People. Yep, we're a little bit ahead, but we're still a Moon. Do you want to do better than Moon People, but not that much better, but just a little bit better than Moon People? Yeah, this, try the ninth colony. This, I don't know. All right, next section is people generally seem boneheaded in this story. This book starts <laughs> with Simon and his coworker Alex, who's only there for a few pages. And my note on the first chapter is local idiot gets into a cage willingly and is surprised when he is imprisoned and captured and enslaved. There's a big UFO and it drops a cage. <laughs> a literal down. cage. It it doesn't even drop the cage on them. It drops it near them, and, and, it's, and they walk into the cage. And there's nothing in the cage. Beneath the UFO. There's nothing in the cage. There's. It's not like there's a little piece of cake or like a little smoothie in there. It's just a fucking cage. And this guy is like, and and Simon's coworker Alex is like, man, I don't think you should. I don't think you should get in there. And he's like, no, this is great. This is the best opportunity ever. And he just gets in the cage, and then the cage starts filling with liquid. And he's like, oh shit. And then he just gets. You know, incapacitated and abducted. Um, just really weird way to open the book. Um, and for the, for the character that turns into like the great intelligent military leader, being like, "Well, that cage seems neat. I'm gonna get inside it." <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it just wasn't explained um, in the text. Maybe we're supposed to understand that Simon just was really into aliens and he wanted to just get the fuck off earth because you know at some points who doesn't want to get the fuck off earth right um 
there's a point where like L, the side character, her ship gets hit pretty bad, and Simon's first reaction is, "All right, L, nice knowing you. Can you just do a suicide bombing into this base on your way out? <laughs> See ya." And like, I'm gonna need you to die in a fireball for me. <laughs> like, not one thought about how can we salvage salvage the situation. Just like, oh, can you just crash yourself into that thing? Somehow they get. Oh, she gets like. Does she get like magically teleported off by Princess Helene or something? Yeah, yeah. it's always someone comes in to magically teleport, yeah. magically suck them off into the next spaceship <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just there's no emotional intelligence in this book. There's no like. In particular, Simon, who reads like a guy that doesn't understand that other people are experiencing life as well from a different perspective. Later on in the book, he's also, you know, it's the big invasion of Earth. They're all coming in and he's he's organized the entirety of Earth, everyone into a defense force through interior decoration and also basically going, "Okay, listen, they're coming right now. I'm going to need everyone to be prepared to die fighting is what he says. <laughs> well, and then there's like your manager asking you to come in on a Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to need I'm going to need you to be prepared to give up all the weekends in your life. <laughs> Man, fuck this. Um <laughs> Oh, yeah, and like I guess it's really easy to lead a resistance when you're like, well, I don't care if they die. I'm alive. Yeah, I guess. I have a hot space queen girlfriend. Who gave me sun radiation powers? Um, That happens. We forgot about that. Speaking of, I mean, here's the fun part. In the, in the story, he actually says to Queen Helene, or Princess Helene, both at some point in the story, he's like, baby, you're the only reason I keep going. <laughs> baby. Sa- you're the leader of the resistance. You, can you imagine no other reason to wake up in the morning besides moon princess girlfriend? Yeah, like. Perhaps the resistance you're leading is a motivating factor perhaps to do things. the survival of this version of humanity and of Earth, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just, it's just you, baby. Baby. By the way, the word baby. And everyone calls each other baby in this book. They're all co- George and Elle are coupled up, and they're baby and back and forth. Mm-hmm. Even George and Angel when they get into their own thing, and then even Simon, uh, Sabrina, and Chris also become kind of coupley vaguely later in the story, and they're babying each other. All oh yeah, yeah. Why is that the only word? I don't know. Why is that the only word? I don't know. And <laughs> how is everyone finding their like fucking one true love during a space war? Like it's not. It's not really the time to develop be developing emotional attachments when you're probably going to die tomorrow. I mean, like, sure, I get you want to bone down at the end of the world, but, like, trying to be in love with people at that point just doesn't... I don't get it. Book is a prime example of the thing we complain about all the time of characters get together because I wanted them to. Yes. Th- and that's all you have to think about. There's no reason for them to be attracted to each no. other. I just said so. Well, Chris, you forgot about... L having not an ounce of fat, not a single oh. ounce. Therefore, <laughs> she's just rags and bones. Delicious rag and bone. You know that's a clothing brand. No, I did not. Yeah, we live in hell. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, th- there's just a lot of weird, stereotypical stuff that happens. But um, in terms of people being boneheaded in the story, really pretty late in the book, <laughs> there's. A revelation that L and I guess some of the other P 
people involved in the resistance, maybe Simon and Helene, like they all know that there's this entrance way. I forget on whatever planet that is, right? To a teleporter that'll like take you to some safe other place. And one of the characters, I think it's George from Bulgaria, who I'm just going to refer to forever as that because that's how he's mentioned numerous times. I don't know why we need to know he's from Bulgaria every time, but... I think George even says, like, wait, why don't we just use this to evacuate everyone? And Elle's like, oh, we wouldn't be able to fit everyone. And George just accepts that. And it's like, well, then fucking move people in shifts. Do them in small groups. Why is this a difficult concept? And I I, never thought about dividing people into smaller groups. Well, that's like on Earth when they're... And I forget what... God, now I don't even remember if they were evacuating some other planet. It was... I don't... Was it Earth? It, it was like the uh, resistance members getting on the. There was a sky lift, yeah, off of one uh-huh. planet. Like after they escaped, and it's just L and George and I think Chris that get on the lift at the start, and Simon is like off doing other stuff, and they're like, it can only be us right now because that's all who can get in here right now. It's like okay, but there's you can do more people later, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then similarly, when they are trying to evacuate Earth. They decide to institute a lottery system, which just. And so it seems like it's really power. It's not like Simon has to be there all the time, continuously powering it. Just keep sending people. You had a six month lead time. I'm pretty sure you could send all like six months. Okay, that's a lot to organize billions of people, to be clear. But if a lot of them are staying behind to defend, I'm sure you could just. It could be done. Yeah, it's just all everything is too convenient all the time, right? The fact that they have a magical gateway to another perfectly habitable planet is just unexplained. Also negates any of the real stakes of the invasion. Right, there's no stakes. We've talked about all this shit before. There's no stakes. It's boring. Everything's too convenient. I I don't see why anyone would want to read this. Um so there's no bounds on the technology, right? Like sometimes it's like, well, we can just save people by teleporting them. But then sometimes it's like, oh, we can't teleport. Like it, it doesn't, it's just plot convenience. Like as for, in terms of like how <laughs> sorry, well, teleporter machine broke today. Sorry. The plot button broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. Can we talk about the mind control sex? That that was that blew my mind. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's honestly only in there so a character could have like a, a hot alien sex session. Yeah, that's really all it was there for, and like just so he had the plausible deniability. So the character doesn't even have to really be unfaithful. Like, right? What <laughs> he's a spy the whole time. You could you don't have to have it be a mind control thing. You have can just have it be. If he doesn't do this, his cover's blown. That's what I thought was going to happen, but then it was like, <laughs> well, he's basically getting forced, and I was like, oh, that's terrible. Like, what? I don't love the implications of that. Gross. Also, later on, he's not really being forced. Well, that, yeah, so, there, which has other terrible implications. So, all right, the Gosians, who are the, I think they're the very, like, um, they're Klingons. Are they Klingons? Is that what they're supposed they to got, be? It, they have like many pronounced brow ridges and they're violent. Oh, they're you're Klingons. Right, you're right. Okay. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to stand Klingons here. I think Klingons are cooler than that. I don't think I would just hang my head on that. But anyway, 
Sure, but if you don't have, if you just looked at the surface reading of Klingons and didn't watch really that deeply, Chris, I I went to a Jewish Klingon wedding once. I will defend <laughs> Klingons. I'm not saying this is a, that's, saying that's true. That, like, by the way, I have been to a Jewish Klingon wedding. I'm just saying that if you're not a very deep reader or watcher of media, that's your takeaway right, of Klingons. Right. I know. I just hint hint about this author. Yeah. Anyway, so we're not told this fact about Gozians, of course, until it's plot convenient, right? So George is on a spy mission, and then it's like, oh, he meets up this he meets this lady, and then she mind controls him into sex, and it's like, but that's just a thing Gozians do. And so then I don't understand why L would be mad. Like you said, I mean, he's going on a spy mission in disguise. They're trying to get information and access. Like, one would imagine that sex may become a component. Like, I I mean, <laughs> if you're a spy, it's kind of how it goes a lot of the time. Um, By the way, why were they allowed in the high-ranking meeting? They, weren't they just, like, dropped on the ship as, as Gozians in disguise? Why are they just standing around in the – they're not, like, the, taking the places of bodyguards – they're just there for some reason. I don't even think they got that far. They only ended up getting information because Angel Charmers um, (laughs) told George something. No, they were standing in the meeting room when the, like, Katarian Azriel (laughs) and General Kulos, which was, like, a Gozian guy, (laughs) were, like, making the deal to, like, stop the Wargus Lurians and invade Earth. They were in the room. All right. I have a confession. I... I re- all right. So uh, when I was reading this, I was also um, the lead in a in a short film <laughs> called Skim Hard, and I was fucking skimming hard. I was not. I understand. I, so I completely I am, understand. But I'm here to tell you that they were they were in the fucking room <laughs> for some reason. Okay. I also kept turning back, and I like I also skimmed a good portion of this too. Let's be clear. But I can tell when they were in that okay. room because it's not like they had like they weren't listening in. They were just there, and they were like, "Oh shit, they're talking about invading Earth. I better go tell Simon." And I'm like. Why did they let you in? Right. There? So I think we should I think this is a good point of clarification. So while we understood kind of like what was happening and who was there, we were often missing the but how though? Or why? <laughs> how or why were these had things happening? Like so anyway, Angel fucks the shit out of George and he's like, Wow, even though I even though that I was technically unwilling, that was pretty great. And then he comes around to it, which again has fucking terrible implications for assault. There you go. Um And then he's like, Oh no, I have to tell my girlfriend I cheated on her but didn't really because I was forced to, even though I just said I was into it. So like what just no responsibility like just very unclear lines of like was he responsible could he have resisted like no one really also knows. barely explored right like there's yeah. like one uh-huh. thing you could have some kind of weird emotional turmoil right. or something to focus on in this story and even then it's just like baby i'm sorry he literally says baby i'm sorry <laughs> like three times <laughs> baby is there even any more alien ass <laughs> Oh, 
that was a callback to an earlier episode. Uh, oh. I don't even remember the name of that book. Um, was it Step Step Dance to fucking my teacher? <laughs> Millennium University Millennium, is what you're thinking. Millennium <laughs> College University School of Arts um, and Sciences. Um, so dance. So, right. So, you know, just tossing in sexual assault casually in your book and like not contending with it, not contending with like an accidental cross species pregnancy that results. I mean, there's just all this kind of like heavy shit. You know, you've got an intergalactic war. You've got people being abducted and and forced pregnancy and like enslavement. Just really heavy shit. And it's treated like nothing it is treated again like we said this was it the episode before this i don't know what order we're recordings out of order so like i don't fucking know but it's almost like you're just (laughs) reading like a land survey you're like ah yes the aliens have approached from 45 degrees north onto earth galaxy street and then you know it's just there's no gravity given to anything it's again the summary of a TV show nature <laughs> yeah. of how this is written means like you you know when you read a summary of a TV show it's not the same as watching the show which is for me why I don't care about show spoilers because like you get to see it explored in depth in the actual piece of media I do and I don't understand that but anyway <laughs> so we can fight about it another time sure yeah we've got some other shit to get to here so continuing with the boneheadedness yeah here. and I I just think um this really is more of a um, sketch or a, like a draft of kind of your your major plot moments. And then an actual book would be exploring those things. Like Chris said, you know, the emotional turmoil involved in being undercover and having to maybe have sex with someone that you don't want to because you need information, right? Like the conflict there, um, which, you know, done beautifully on the TV show The Americans, if you have not seen that, is a mwah, one of the best pieces of television I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, if you want, like, some spy shit that really gets in there, that's that's it. This does none of that, right? Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I just... I'm sorry. This is just a lot of me being exasperated because we... Because <laughs> it's year... It's year eight of this show. I... Yeah. <laughs> running out of but we're not stopping running out of steam all right what else we got on the docket for things that were bad i mean just to wrap up like how boneheaded people seem in this book um there's a point where someone says wow last week i was on earth and this week i'm a soldier in another universe it's not another universe it's just a different galaxy slash planet that's different it's really very different. Well, same thing with that guy that says Big Bang Theory of Evolution. It's like in that same area of like, I don't think you guys understand. Well, do we? A lot of these I, don't, well, I mean, I guess I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to defend the book here. I don't think it's ever clear that we are still in the same universe. There's no clarity about if we're in a different galaxy. They go back to Earth and it's the same Earth. Well, yeah, but but the other elements of the story that don't take place on Earth, those could be in another universe. It's not defined. So I think that's what the expression was. I mean, it was a very stupid piece of dialogue. <laughs> it's okay. very, like, All right. st- I'll shitty. I'll accept the bone that you're throwing to me over here. 
All right. How about we just move into stupid and yeah, cliche? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then. All right. There's like, there's the big stupid cliche thing about the bad guys must be extremely bad. Like, you know, we were just saying, not only is there forced pregnancy, it's like vivisection, right? Like, you can't even just let the women give birth. You got to kill them too. It's uh, there, there's a in the beginning part. There's a woman who is abducted and the Mycians, who are the big, buff, scary aliens that are corralling them and enslaving them, you know, they have big, giant alien dogs. And the lady just screams and cries because she's scared and the dog just eats her immediately. It's just there's like a Holocaust reference right off the bat. Okay. Like it's you're kidnapping women. You're kidnapping women to sustain your race, mm-hmm. to sustain your race. And you're doing it very slowly, like, you know, a handful at a time. Yep. And you're you're killing them. So they're not a reusable resource. And so you're just going to sick a dog to eat one of them alive. Yeah. Because she kind of got a little upset because of the fact that she was being abducted. Yep. Seems like poor resource management to me. Yeah, and honestly, like, I don't even understand why they're kidnapping the men then. Because if the whole idea is we just need women to be surrogates, I or not surrogates, I guess we just need women to impregnate them. Like you said, why murder them? Oh, right, because very evil. <laughs> like, just turn the evil up to fucking 11 on, on all these knobs. And I don't know. It just And then, like I said, there's like a Holocaust reference because they're like, oh, they're having us take our clothes off and line up in a shower. And again, you know, just don't don't start talking about stuff that's real serious. Like, it's just a little flippant thing in your book. It's shitty. You know, you you owe the world a little more than that. You owe these you owe these serious <laughs> topics a little more than that because they've affected real people <laughs> who are alive today and whose descendants are alive today. And so I don't know, and everyone always goes for the fucking Nazi shit. Like that's always the ultimate the evil. One. It's the easy. It's yeah. the easy thing to be like, well, they're bad. Well, it's easy in hindsight because what, what yes. these people never think of is that, you know, the Third Reich or, you know, racism in, in Nazi Germany, none of that stuff achieved its ultimately evil ends by outwardly being super evil, right? They did it sneakily and slowly and by coercing people. And only when shit was so far beyond fucking evil did people really understand the gravity of the situation. Of course, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that, like, no one knew, but, you know, <laughs> Hitler wasn't out here like, join the Third Reich, we'll kill your women like that's not what they were out there saying like that wasn't the advertising slow like i just it's like people don't understand that evil becomes it it morphs into ultimate evil because of little sneaky things it's not because they unfurl fucking banners with like we're evil like on it like that's just uh i don't know again like not giving any nuance to something that is serious and complicated how about a hard left turn from that serious topic into just stupid names like planet timor (laughs) 
anymore. And then fucking Planet Fedora. Like, it, I thought, like, maybe you, when I saw the notes at first, Paris, I was like, she must have missed. It's not just fucking the Planet Fedora, like, spelled like just a fedora. Yeah. It indeed is Planet Fedora. Like I said. And then there's a ship also named the Fedora. Like I said, they're from the Milady Galaxy. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was stupid. I mean, all the names in this are stupid. It's like the Lunarians, because they're moon worshippers. Why would they use English conventions for their, like, you know, you know, there's like, sorry, we, we forgot to even mention there's universal translators that you just inject into your neck, a la fucking Farscape. You know, just these really stupid. Also, Chris, the computer guy, <laughs> just can do coding. In, oh, for alien technology. Uh -huh. He cracks the door open, like, the first time he's seeing that shit. Also, why would Alien Code use, like, the same yes, syntax? right, I know. This is the shit that makes me crazy. It's like, why would... Yeah, why would you be able to even understand Alien computer coding? Also, why would aliens even need to code? Like, if it's not a binary coding... Right. So, like, if it's why not would that it kind be? of system... I guess, fine, fine, maybe, like, you've abstracted it, but, like, the abstractions that would result from a different seed would thus result in something so out there that you have no hope of cracking that door open my dude yeah i mean and and again like we're assuming that alien technology is going to be some some like funhouse mirror of us and it by all accounts would not be they who knows they could power their ships with their minds they could power their ships through a certain patterning of plants that they have in a garden like what makes you think? It's just all fart sounds. It's, it's just a very intricate series mm -hmm. of fart dot wave. That's all it is. No. And you have to very precisely align. No, they have to fart into tubes very precisely. <laughs> and then there's like shovelers who feed them flatulent things. Or Chris, you got to get that door open. I'm trying. <laughs> oh, it's not like that. Oh. <laughs> Give him the beans. Give him the beans. <laughs> But really, okay, sorry, we're getting a little, a little silly here, but for real though, I it's just, it feels insulting to read as a reader of sci-fi. Like, I read something like this and I'm like, this is just insulting to me. I, I haven't consumed all this content and had all of these fun, interesting, you know, mental excursions to then read this. <laughs> You know, like, why? What other... Oh, my God. The names are dumb. Every... Similar to the coding thing, a, another huge thing I hate about sort of alien mythos stuff is how everything is, again, just like, ooh, a funhouse mirror of human stuff and a funhouse mirror of Earth. Like, oh, there's streets and buses and clothes and fucking capitalism. Like, God, if other alien societies of capitalism, I'm fucking done. I am taking myself out the goddamn game. I am done. Like if this is the if this is the most imagination we got, I'm good. Peace. Like see ya. Yeah, it's like come on. The one cool thing about waking up each day is like maybe something new will happen, right? Or like I'll hear a new music or like hear something unique. If it's mostly the same shit, on the other side of the fucking universe, that seems real lame, dude. Yeah, that sucks. Straight up sucks. Like I, if fucking <laughs> I get abducted and there's still a bus, like no, I'm throwing <laughs> myself in front of it. Goodbye. Are you I'm kidding done. me? I'm on planet Fedora and I still have to wait thirty <laughs> minutes for this fucking bus. Yeah, it's 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 just the ATBM, and you're like no. 
<laughs> I didn't escape. I don't know. There's also weird, like, <sighs> fucking. There is a character, L. I I was joking about this earlier, but L, the character, is introduced as ha- having not an ounce of fat. Um, be- and the author is saying this because it's so obvious that she's so hot because she has not an ounce of fat. Yo, my dude, you want to see what a body looks like without an ounce of fat? It is, uh, it's extreme. I mean, I, you know, people to each yeah. their own, but like, <clears throat> it's pretty extreme. Like the human body needs to have fat on it. It's fine. It is fine and okay and healthy and attractive. <laughs> We don't need these shitty stereotypes. Like, also, all the pretty women are all skinny and have long blonde hair and light eyes and light skin. It's like, and then one of the, like the bad guys are always, you know, they've got scary facial ridges and like there's one guy who's bad because he's fat. They call him stupid fat bad guy like three times <laughs> before he is murdered. Like, I just, just really. Yeah, take that stupid bad fat guy. You're a fat alien stupid guy. Like, like why can't we have good characters that are fat? Why do all the heroes have to be skinny all the time? I just, all this basic stuff that it's, you know, it's just re, um, reinforcing a lot of these negative crappy stereotypes we all have to live with like you know about body weight and body composition um you know everyone everyone's straight everything's fine everyone's yeah. i i mean i guess we don't know if they're white but like you know it's just to me not... like this the this book is it smacks of that thing where I feel like the author thinks that things are are certain way naturally yeah. and they mm-hmm. should be that way and they will always be that way because that's the way things were made. Well, yeah. This book. Yeah, or just lack of critical thinking about it, like never had to stop and think like, oh, yeah, I wonder if, you know, all bad people are fat. Like, no, you know, like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Just stop and have that thought, maybe. Yeah, I, just somebody who has not thought critically about the world or about the media they consume, right? Like that's that's what we're getting at here. Um, there's also just four pages of exposition, exposition, exposition. Just, just straight like, well, this is what happened before, and this is happening now. You know what? Why don't Why don't we read that? Oh, sure. As an example of a matter of the like the matter of fact nature of this book. That is a very good reminder that we have not read any content from the book, and it is going on two hour, no hour and a half. <laughs> so, shit. All right. Here's some here's some storytelling. Attention, attention, came a voice over the loudspeaker system. You are now on the planet Timor. And you are the property of the Mycenaean Guard. If you comply with our request without trouble, then you will not be harmed. Should you decide to resist, then... Oh shit, the browser is cutting off the last piece of text on that, so I can't read that. (laughs) Hit the space bar. Oh wait, you're on your phone. You will be moved to a new location where you'll be assigned to your destination. The sound system then fell silent, and after the cages were locked, most of the Mycenaean guards left the compound and were replaced by human guards who were carrying the shock sticks that Chris and several other people had the misfortune of experiencing earlier. The sight of this angered many people, and and insults were traded between them and the human guards. Maybe write some of the insults for a little flavor. 
The hours passed slowly, and eventually darkness fell upon the courtyard. George and Chris both found it impossible to sleep over the sound of men and women crying. They just sat by the bars of the cage, watching the guards and discussing ways of escaping. As they were doing this, one of the guards walking past overheard their conversation. I'd forget that if I were you, he said, pointing his stick towards them. Hey, I'd rather be out here than in here with you, said the guard. I've been there, done that, and I don't want to do it again. Besides, there's little I can do to help you. You just want to hope you get in the right destination tomorrow. The human guard was dressed in a smart blue uniform, and it was clear to Chris by the healthy look and attire that he was being well-fed and well-looked after for the job that he was doing. Chris knew that the chances of him helping them was slim to none, but he had to ask anyway. Can't you help us at all? asked Chris. I'm sorry, mate, but we're under surveillance here, so I can't help you. All I can tell you is that you're on one of three trading planets, and tomorrow you'll be sent to a colony auction where your fate will be decided. Yeah. Why are the men being separated from the women? Because the women will mainly be impregnated to host the offspring of certain races that they cannot conceive children of their own anymore. They don't want them falling pregnant before this process. Otherwise, their only use would be as servants or the games. What do you mean by the games? asked Chris. That's enough. I've said too much already. Now keep it down and don't give me a reason to hurt you. But enough, the guard said, sparking his stick against the bars. I've given just enough plot detail for this to kind of <laughs> hopefully make you interested. Yes. That's enough. Um, I was going to try to find some some uh, great. You should find the part where George and L are fighting about him having sex. <laughs> okay. I think there's It's a... easy to find because the chapter is titled Repercussions of Infidelity. <laughs> Very straightforward. Repercussions of Infidelity. All right, hang on. Let me... Ahem. George was now coming to his senses as Angel released her grip on him, and it dawned on him what had just happened. In his mind, he was now feeling guilt as he loved Elle and would never have done this normally. He was totally devoted to her and was annoyed with himself. Are you okay? asked Angel. George was a, a quiet. St- <laughs> I think that's one of the few typos. George was a quiet, still contemplating what had just happened. Before he could answer, Angel received a call over her comms device. Lieutenant Chalmers, report to the bridge at once. The Katari captain has requested our presence on his ship. Bring two security guards with you. Okay, we must go now. You and your shipmate can act as my security, even though we've never <laughs> met. <laughs> I, there it is. I, there it is. That's the reason we found the reason. No, I, I added the even though we've never met. Um, okay. we'll pick him up along the way. My shipmate is female, not male. Her name is L. <laughs> okay, lover, but we need to go now, as General Kulos doesn't like to be kept waiting. General Kool Aid is how I keep reading that. Um, <laughs> they left her quarters and headed back to rejoin L in the crew quarters. George went inside and quickly explained to Elle they had been asked to escort General Kulos and his officer onto the Qatari ship, leaving out the encounter that he just had with Angel. You gotta be real careful with General Kulos. He like just likes to barge through the wall sometimes. <laughs> it's actually very annoying. So yeah, so as as his security, you're actually in charge of always carrying around a little trampoline to catch him on the other side. So you gotta like predict where he's gonna come out from. <laughs> Usually if there's children on the other side who are thirsty. That tends to be where he'll he'll burst through, so we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, and you know you gotta really place that trampoline right, or you're gonna lose some kids. And <laughs> oh, we need them. We're trying to reper- re- you know repopulate here. Uh- <laughs> this was not the time to try to explain what had just happened between them. Clearly, this might be the opportunity to assassinate the general, or at the very least, find out what's going on between the Gosians and the Katarians. 
We still need to be on our guard, he said, as there is a possibility that it could be a hostile meeting that we're walking into. Elle got herself together and followed George to meet up with Angel, who was waiting outside her quarters. Introductions were made, and they were escorted to the docking bay. There, they boarded the shuttle with General Kulos and two more of his closest security team, and headed out towards the Qatari vessel, which was docked off the starboard side of Kulos's fedora. The Qatari ship completely dwarfed the cruiser in size. It was <laughs> so like he was just always a hat. He had a hat on his head. <laughs> the spaceship was docked on the hat. <laughs> it's a feather. Um, <laughs> it was more like a city than a ship. Wow, look at the size of that thing, said L. It's not the size that counts, it's how you use it, replied Angel, giggling to herself. There's another shitty stereotype. Mm, about just gotta make dick jokes. Even even aliens on other planets are just making genital jokes, I guess. Isn't that the truth? Boys with their toys, huh? Said L, smiling. But this was indeed a big toy and a very dangerous one in the wrong hands. God, that's hell of a hell of a follow-up. They would certainly need to have their wits about them. As they docked with the Qatari vessel, General Kulos briefed them on his protection needs and told them to keep quiet during the meeting, but also to be alert to any possible danger and to be ready to act if absolutely necessary. They stepped out of the shuttle. Let's perhaps yada yada yeah. over the, the meeting part and get to the part where El gets Oh, mashed. okay, sorry. Um, yada yada yada, Commander Azriel. Um, this is uh, Angel. Better them than us. Maybe we can get together again later to celebrate, lover. What do you think? Let's get back first, he replied. What does she mean by that? Asked El. I can't talk about it now, baby. I'll tell you later. This is not the right time. What have you done? Elle demanded to know. <laughs> what happened between you and her? Baby, I can't tell you now. Please wait till we get back, he pleaded, stretching out a hand to calm her. Don't you dare touch me, she said angrily. No other words were exchanged between them on the journey back. The atmosphere between them was decidedly frosty. <sighs> Once they docked back on the fedora as a little feather, uh, George and Ella returned to their quarters and were told to prepare to disembark within the hour as General Kulos had decided to return to Lunaria as soon as possible. God. George then set about the unenviable task of telling Elle what had happened between himself and Angel, without being too explicit. Suffice it to say, she didn't take the news very well. Her initial reaction was to slap George around the face. Wow, not just one across, around. Just a powdering of slaps. <laughs> How could you do this to me? I thought you loved me. I guess that was all bullshit. You know, different than everyone else, she screamed. Baby, I'm really sorry, but don't baby me. You've broken my heart into a million pieces and shattered my world. I'm not your baby anymore. Don't you get it? I couldn't do anything about it. She took over my mind and body. I would never willingly do this to you. I love you. Please forgive me. Just stay away from me. I don't want to see you or talk to you right now or my son ever again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> As much Okay, so Yeah, it's <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we I missed. That's right. Fuck off and see your gozy and whore. She screamed. Okay. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Yeah, it's just this, like, keep your filthy hands off my man, you fucking slut, is a little bit later. There's just, like, a little yeah. cat fight. It's dumb. Um, Bitch, you are spies right now. Relax. Yeah, nobody can keep their cool and, like, do their fucking job. It's just, you know, really, the the the, rev the revolution, uh, the resistance succeeds despite them like it it's really yes. <laughs> i mean talk about intelligent design like curtis is just like yeah this is happening no matter how fucking stupid you guys are <laughs> like no matter what i'm gonna get you through this it's all been pre-planned 
all right, can we fix it, Chris? Can we fix it? I mean, I guess if you treated this as an extremely broad strokes treatment for a basic bitch sci-fi TV show, it could work if you stretched this plot over three or four seasons and decided to actually dig deeper into the character relationships and emotional turmoil behind some of these decisions and actions and, like, kind of slow burn it. Maybe... Maybe if it was that CW or WB show on that's comes on like right after the local news. Like, so you're not really paying a lot of attention to it because you're still cooking dinner for everybody. And the year is 1997, was, by the way. Yeah. And it's like mostly for people who just want to look over at the screen and see the stereotypical idea of hot person every once but in a while. But in space. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, in terms of fixing this. If this was your very basic sketch of plot points and like moments or scenes you wanted, you know, like storyboarding, you could turn this into something okay, maybe like The Expanse, but you'd need to think way deeper about the hows and whys of people in situations and also add something in that's more interesting because right now it's it's just got your real... I've read space shooty pew pew fights before. You got to give me something interesting about it. Yeah, them. I don't need to read another Star Wars. Like, this is just, I mean, I don't even, truth be told, I think Star Wars is also really fucking boring. Um, uh, you know, I'll. Oh, no. They're coming, Paris. I know, you've, you've alerted I know. them. But it's, it, but the reason for that is because it's, it's just the same, like, very basic plot points as a fucking princess in a white dress. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty standard stuff um so yeah i think if if this was just kind of your first basic sketch of your storyboard um and then you put a lot more thought and a lot more depth into it you know stray from the path of the star war and into the more interesting regions of the universe um and and you know i mentioned the expanse because i think um we both enjoyed the expanse uh chris read the books and watched the show i only watched the show but i got like sort of the the secret backstory from chris about like what <laughs> had changed um yeah and the expanse like it has a, i mean it's definitely got its like basic bitch sci-fi moments but there's also some other stuff mm-hmm. that's pretty good and interesting and different about it so i feel like it kind of that's why i'm like this is fine i this i watch this this is decent like it you can get there but like there's a whole lot of other stuff you gotta add <laughs> like yeah with the expanse you've got um how do we want to say this without spoilers you've got like uh, There's like political conflict between yeah. different like classes of humanity right, that right. exist and like sort of the tensions that arise because of their stations within this system. And I think a lot of the technology is really well considered too. Um, you know, yes. just in terms of how like gravity would affect the human body and how living in space would affect people, you know. Um, and th- there's a lot of uh, there's some pretty good acting in it. I mean, not everyone is great in that show, um, but some, most people are. And yeah, you're just you're you know, and there's even there's a human element behind the grand scale, yeah. like g- g- solar system wide conflict. Yeah, I mean, happening. and even though eventually we do get into like stupid white guy savior shit, uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on that's more interesting, I think, and it doesn't. You know, you do get to dabble in some other stuff before before you end up there begrudgingly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So again, 
I did have a problem with that last book. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a different. Yeah, thing. so it did. It does kind of just level out to be just okay for me because there were some bad stuff that kind of balanced out. You know, kind of brought some of the good stuff down. Point being, I think this author would just have to put so much more work into it. I don't know. I don't know if he's up for that. You could stretch this out into three or four books if you really dug deep. Yeah, I think we're being pretty generous um, with this, too. Because um, I, I agree. don't, you know, like I said, you'd have to add some other elements to make this different and interesting. Because right now, you, you there's so much of this doesn't make any sense. It, I don't understand anyone's motivations other than, like, obviously, people don't want to be enslaved. Sure, that's... That's a pretty straight path to <laughs> Also, buy. Space Princess hot, and that's the only reason I get up in the morning. That's the whole motivation. Yeah. Romance and love and sex. So, yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend reading this. Um, nope. And I, don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel bad that the author probably wasted a lot of time with this, like, publishing place. I hope that maybe he just spends some more time fleshing stuff out. Before he pucks anything out again, and maybe he'll just, you know, self-publish on his own <laughs> next time. Um, but yeah, just just more thought, more depth. Get a get a really. Like, give me more here. This is a real thin gruel. It's a real thin <laughs> gruel. This is gonna give me well, basic nutrition, but I I I might die because I'm gonna be missing some nutrients, you know, in a few years. <laughs> Or whatever. Well, thanks to that PR person for bringing this to our attention. I did send them a very terse and honestly kind of rude email, but I, I frankly, I think uh, I think they deserved it because <laughs> that was a True. pretty bad email. Um, yes. Yeah. Sorry. And thank you, patrons, for supporting this show and our ability to read stuff like this that we get sent by PR people. Thank you, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senia, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Beast, Belize, Scott H., Robin, Laxdotes, of the Void, the Taco-Eating Unicorn in Space, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry, Mason, Renee, Emmy, the Ugly One, Bleach, Black Cat, Julius, the Nice Dragon, Eastern Swiss, Rudy Bobudi, and our Kofi donor, Kiwi Thang. Thanks for supporting the show. Okay, Paris, I'm off to lead a resistance with my uh, guitar skills. It's going to translate, I, I promise. I you. forgot about the most important point I was going to make about aliens conspiracy shit and how bad it is, um, is that it's uh, largely based in racism. But, you know, we don't have a lot of time left. So um, if you're interested in that, <laughs> uh, there's a great episode by Citations Needed, uh, a different podcast unrelated to this one. Uh, that is about kind of, you know, ancient aliens and the dangers they're in and how a lot of alien conspiracy comes from Western and Northern Hemisphere, white, largely white people being like, oh, well, there's no way that like brown people from hundreds or thousands of years ago could have done that. Must have been aliens. And like it just turns into <laughs> must have been aliens because we're racist. So anyway, it's very interesting uh, to learn about, listen to that podcast. I don't know, whatever. I'm tired. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. 
Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.